All right, this talk is about pursuing the truth and beating the drum. Bendo Law is the first chapter in book one of Ehe Dogen's uh, Shobogenzo. Ben means to make an effort or to pursue. Do means the truth and wa means a talk or story. Thus, Bendo Wa means a talk about pursuing the truth or a talk about the practice of Zazen. Dogen writes, the wholehearted practice of the way that I am talking about allows all things to exist in enlightenment and enables us to live out oneness in the path of emancipation. When we break through the barrier and drop off all limitations, we are no longer concerned with conceptual distinctions. When we sit Zazen, we are one with all beings and everyone, everything is enlightened. We are the birds singing, the sirens of police cars and ambulances, the garbage truck making its rounds, spiders spinning webs underneath the tons, <laughs> people sleeping in the park and praying in the church, sea lions resting down by the wharf or fishing, pelicans gliding over the ocean, the redwoods standing up straight and tall, the moon, the sun, the whole universe. There are no limitations. Each of us arrives at his, her, their own directly experienced understanding. It can't be explained with words, but we try to. In the book, you have to say something. <laughs> Danin Katagiri Roshi writes, to merge with Zazen is not so easy. It requires strong determination. In other words, you have to completely throw yourself away in Zazen. Dogen Zenji tells us to throw away good and bad, right and wrong, to have no designs on becoming enlightened. When you become one with Zazen through and through, there is no attachment. This is peaceful, harmonious mind. Dogen says that the practice of Zazen is the true gate to living out the self that is only the self and the present that is only the present. During the spring in Santa Cruz, little yellow flowers start popping up everywhere. And when the sun shines on them, their petals open and they receive the light. One day I was walking with our dogs, Oscar and Jojo, and I was struck by the sight of these shining little flowers. They were just being themselves at that present moment. And it made me feel like I could be myself, my true self. My true self, Sarah, is a form that is interconnected with everything, not separate, and is also no form that is constantly changing. It is the self that is the self and the present that is only the present right now in this moment. And 
I don't know who this self is because it keeps changing. Mm -hmm. It is the mind that cannot be grasped. Studying Zen koans or public cases in the Mumunkan, the Gateless Gate, and Heki Ganroku, mm -hmm. the Blue Cliff Record, with guidance from my teacher, Reverend Nnedi Mushin Parekh, mm -hmm. is part of our practice together. Koans are teachings that are like riddles or puzzles that cannot be solved through rational thinking. I memorize the koan, sit with it, and let it work on me. When I meet with Nnedi, I recite the koan, and she asked me to present my understanding of it at that moment. The Twining Vine Zen Center offers a koan class on Fridays at 2 p.m. on Zoom if you would like to study koans with other people. This is case 14 from the Blue Cliff Record. A monk asked Yun Men, what are the teachings of a whole lifetime? Yun Men said, an appropriate response. An appropriate response is spontaneous. It is the instinctive knowing what to do or say. It is in the present moment. It is egoless, harmonious, without hindrance. One morning, I was walking with our dogs, and as we walked along a path, Zhao Zhou's paw almost stepped on a roly-poly bug. The roly-poly bug immediately curled itself up into a little ball. That was the appropriate response in that moment because it had to do that to protect itself. After Zhao Zhou went by, the roly-poly bug uncurled itself and kept walking along the path. I don't think that the bug said to itself, dogs are so annoying. Why don't they watch where they're going? Or gosh, I'm such an unlucky bug, always getting stepped on. Well, we live in a world where we appear as individuals and there is differentiation. There are so many influences constantly hitting our minds causing us to feel like we have an independent self that is separate from others, separate from the universe. For example, girls feel pressure to be thin and made to think that their appearance is the most important thing about them. As we move through our daily lives, emotions may arise like fear, frustration, greed, anger, jealousy, pride, in the book Zen Training, Katsuki Sakita says, the long chronic habit of consciousness has implanted evil impulses so firmly in man's mind that they haunt us perpetually, and it is impossible for us to inhibit them before they appear. However, the longer we train ourselves, the more we are liberated from the petty ego. When the petty ego appears, do not be concerned with it, simply ignore it. When an evil thought strikes you, acknowledge it honestly, saying, such and such an evil thought has occurred to me, and then drop it. The Zen saying goes, the occurrence of an evil thought is a malady, not to continue it is the remedy. An evil thought is a thought that causes separation. When we notice evil thoughts and end them, then we are living out our vow. That is, delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. 
I'm going to share a story of what happened in our family this year. Although we do not want to have trauma in our lives, it is a Dharma gate and an opportunity for deep practice. My husband and I have two daughters, ages 16 and 14. Our 14 year old daughter is recovering from an eating disorder. A few months ago, she was referred to an uh, eating disorder intensive outpatient program. There were many medical appointments and groups on Zoom. The program required that parents be in charge of making all the meals and snacks, and we were required to watch her eat all of the meals and snacks. She also had to be supervised at school during lunch to make sure that she was eating. We didn't have any other option than to do this program. She rebelled and felt suffocated by the control that we had to have with the meals and the snacks. Uh, and soon we, we started finding um, hidden bags of discarded food in her room mm -hmm. and evidence of her purging. She lost 16 pounds in one month. And her condition became so serious that she had to go to a residential treatment program for five weeks. <clears throat> During this time, our family was under intense stress. Our daughter blamed us for the eating disorder. She refused to talk to us and was full of anger. The eating disorder takes control over a person and seeks to destroy any threats to its existence. Even though I knew this, and I knew that no one is specifically the cause of an eating disorder, feelings of failure and inadequacy arose in me. I was overweight as a child, and I was made to feel ashamed of my body image. I was forced to do rigorous exercise in order to earn the privilege of having a dessert. I projected my fears onto my kids as they were growing up and I made them exercise and I commented on their food choices. I had to quit my job to take care of our daughter. I felt powerless. Things just kept getting worse. I resorted to old habits of drinking wine and smoking cigarettes to deal with the stress. I was reacting negatively to what was going on instead of responding intentionally and appropriately. I reached out to Reverend Gene Bush because he gave a talk and mentioned in it that Buddhists pray. He emailed Meili's prayer for peace to me. Meili Kushan Seisho Scott was a founding teacher at the Arcata Forest Heart Temple. Meili's prayer helped me to become aware of how I was reacting to the eating disorder trauma and allowing myself to fall into depression and harmful habits. I realized that the appropriate response to the trauma was to acknowledge that our family was suffering and that I needed to find peace within myself in order to help my family to find peace within themselves. This is Meili's prayer for peace. May I be well, loving, and peaceful. May all beings be well, loving, and peaceful. May I be at ease in my body, feeling the ground beneath my seat and feet, 
letting my back be long and straight, enjoying breath as it rises and falls and rises. May I know and be intimate with body-mind, whatever it's feeling or mood, calm or agitated, tired or energetic, irritated or friendly, breathing in and out, in and out, aware, moment by moment of the risings and passings. May I be attentive and gentle towards my own discomfort and suffering. May I be attentive and grateful for my own joy and well-being. May I move towards others freely and with openness. May I receive others with sympathy and understanding. May I move towards the suffering of others with peaceful and attentive confidence. May I recall the Bodhisattva of compassion, her 1,000 hands, her instant readiness for action, each hand with an eye in it, the instinctive knowing what to do. May I continually cultivate the ground of peace for myself and others and persist, mindful and dedicated to this work, independent of results. May I know that my peace and the world's peace are not separate, that our peace in the world is a result of our work for justice. May all beings be well, happy, and peaceful. I feel deep gratitude for Reverend Jean, Reverend Meili, and the Sangha in Arcata. We all need help sometimes to notice when we are reacting negatively to a situation rather than responding intentionally and appropriately. Feeling supported relieves suffering. Just showing up to sit with each other is a way of giving support. Our Dharma sister Shakti and I are offering a monthly wellness group at our Sangha house on the fourth Thursday of each month after the evening sit. It is a place to have a cup of tea and be with other people where you feel accepted and safe to share about things that are happening in your life. There's no judgment. People just listen and offer support. Eight people attended the first meeting in June. One thing we do in the group is recite Meili's prayer. Everyone is invited to share a word or phrase of the prayer that inspires them at the moment. It is also okay to just be silent and listen to others speak open-heartedly. It felt nourishing to do that together. Things are much better now in our family. Our daughter is making her own meals and snacks and eating them. And she's spending time with us, talking to us and spending time with friends. In book one of the flower ornament scripture, a translation of the Avatamsaka Sutra, the Buddha is surrounded by great enlightening beings, numerous as the atoms in the 10 Buddha worlds. It describes how each enlightening being found a door to liberation, and they all have beautiful names. For example, the Gandharva king, joyously moving beautiful eyes, found the door of liberation, manifesting an enormous, beautiful body, causing all to obtain peace and bliss. The Gandharva king, diamond tree flower banner, found the door of liberation, causing all trees to richly flourish, 
causing all who see them to be delighted. The deity pacifying the hearts of the world found the door of liberation, bestowing inconceivable happiness on all sentient beings, causing them to dance with joy. My name is Joyous Light Attentive Ear, and I found the door of liberation, listening deeply and supporting all beings to live intentionally. You might consider what your name is and your door to liberation. I feel deep, deep gratitude for the loving kindness and generosity of all of our teachers and for the Sangha. Our teachers sit with us, teach us the Dharma, study books with us, work on Sangha day, build ramps to increase accessibility, meet with us in Dokusan, sew with us, watch sad movies with us like Brokeback Mountain on movie night, go to pride parades, make fish-shaped pastries for the Japanese cultural fair, and more. Their sincerity and open-heartedness inspire us and help us to just be ourselves, our true selves. In conclusion, I want to end with a koan. This is the 44th case from the Blue Cliff Record. Hoshan imparted some words saying, cultivating study is called learning. Cutting off study is called nearness. Going beyond these two is to be considered real going beyond. A monk came forward and asked, what is real going beyond? Sean said, knowing how to beat the drum. Again, he asked, what is the real truth? Sean said, knowing how to beat the drum. Again, he asked, mind is Buddha. I'm not asking about this. What is not mind and not Buddha? Sean said, knowing how to beat the drum. Again, he asked, when a transcendent man or woman comes, how do you receive him or her? Sean said, knowing how to beat the drum. <laughs> knowing how to beat the drum is responding to whatever arises in a way that includes everything and engages with everything moment by moment. Thank you all for your practice. Why don't we um, uh, take a few questions or comments now uh, for the next couple of minutes? Uh, anybody uh, have a reaction to, a response to your talk? Uh, I, a question came up for me. Um, how do you cultivate the confidence that you are responding appropriately? Uh, what is that practice well, and your practice of that? Well, I think it starts with showing up for Zazen. And I mean, I really like to come to the morning sessions of Zazen and the service because, I mean, responding appropriately, being in the moment, we learn so much just by being here in the Zendo and we sit Zazen together. And then we do the forms together. We bow. We do the bowing together. We um, we do the chanting, 
And then you get to learn the roles like being the doan and you, you learn how to ring the bells precisely the way that they are supposed to be rung. Mm -hmm. And then I like being the chico, you get to hold the incense and then you know you offer the incense to the priest. And all of those things, to me, those are that's training of how to live in this present moment and respond appropriately. Um, and so I think what happens is that you start noticing when you're in your life and you think, I want, I really want to be like this through all of my life. And I want, I want to, you know, everyone to be at harmony where I live, where I work, you know, the gym I go to, everywhere. We just want this to be harmony and we, everyone to feel this, you know, peace. So that that's what I my answer to that. <laughs> Charlie, thank you for your excellent blueprint on how to uh, use our practice uh, to deal with suffering. Uh, you outlined it marvelously. It was very understandable. It was a wonderful mm -hmm. lecture. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Stan. Uh, thank you so much for your wellness day this, this last month and look forward to the next one. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. And I have something for you to respond to. Chief <laughs> <laughs> Seattle. You might know this. Oh. Can you come closer so I can yeah, read it right, out for right. everyone? Yes. A little, maybe Patrick can read it. There you go. I don't have my glasses. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come up here. Humankind has not woven the web of life. We are but one thread within it. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. All things are bound together, all things connect. Chief Seattle. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing so that. Want, uh, stand, make, like, kind of get in between us. Yes. See. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and any other any other questions? Is that uh, Mushin with her hand up? Please. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, Sarah, it's really noticeable how much joyous energy you you have. Could you say a little bit about how you think practice makes it possible for this sort of joy to arise in you and in in all of us? <laughs> okay. Well, just earlier when we were doing Kinhin outside, I was walking around with Kinhin with everyone else, and it just really was so obvious how we're constantly changing and nothing, you can't nail anything down. We're just always changing, you know, like the way you see a cloud or, or the way the the, um, the leaves of a tree, you know, the shadow that I saw of the wind blowing the leaves of a tree and, you know, or the, just everything is changing. And if we just remember that everything is just interconnected and, and like when you look in the cloud and the sky, you could say, oh, there's me when that, that cloud up there, you know, or, you know, you, you see anything like there's me. And that to me that also when I see some trash on the ground i'm like oh there's me on the ground i'm going to pick that up and throw that in the garbage where it belongs. Um, so I just feel it's just having a great appreciation for everything and and just remembering that that we're always changing that you know there's no reason to 
just, you know, I mean, I, I do have to say, like, I started to feel nervous before this talk and I started to think, why am I feeling nervous? And, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and it, that's, that's that self, you know, kind of focus, right? So I just keep letting it go, breathing in, breathing out, just remembering that we're just constantly changing and whatever's happening right now, just, you know, you can just let go and, and be so happy and so, you know, grateful for everything that you're, everything is, you're, you're supporting and, and being supported by. Oh, again, so difficult to express in words, but I hope that. <laughs> Jean is beating the drum. <laughs> Can I share a poem? Yes. Maybe, maybe there's other people. Have yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have a question. So you mentioned some pretty difficult times, and mm -hmm. um, I'm just—I can see how what you're saying, you know. There is a way to come back to the center, even when things get off center. Um, did you find what was your your anger to help you through this difficult, most difficult time you had with your daughter? Yeah. So everyone on on um, just repeating this for Zoom in case you didn't hear, um, Shakti was asking about the difficult time that I experienced uh, with my family and what was my anchor, what helped me to to um, persevere through it. Um, and I guess my answer, I mean, uh, it's it's interesting because, I mean. The one thing I can say that that was an, a, something that had an effect on me is I have a really good friend named Sharon and she's doing she's in seminary and she's going to become like a, you know, a, a chaplain, I think she's going to work as a chaplain. And she has a prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings, and so we've been friends for a really long time. So I started going to her prayer meeting and I really felt supported because the people at that prayer meeting would listen to me and then they would pray for me and we would all pray for each other. And at that time, there was another woman who, whose husband recently passed away. And so she was dealing with the end of his life. And, um, you know, and then we also had the opportunity to pray for, for, another, for some other people who were going through some really difficult times. So part of it was knowing that I'm not alone, that there are so many people out there who are also experiencing really tough times. And so, you know, feeling supported by them was great in going to those meetings. And that's what made me think, like, I really want to have that for the Sangha. I really want us to have a place, you know, where we can share our lives and, sh and help each other and support each other. And so that is one of the reasons why Shakti and I wanted to decided to start the wellness group was is because like I just feel like you know sometimes you need a place to go where people will just listen and and you can you know feel supported. So that was that was what helped me. Mm -hmm.
Jack. Jack, did you have your hand up? One last poem, Stan. Here, I'll make from this this way so you can hear. Actually, I can say it or I can sing it. Sing it. Okay. You say um, here? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> From far, from even morning, and yon twelve-winded sky, the stuff of life to knit me new hither, here am I. Now for a breath Tarry, nor yet disperse apart. Take my hand quick and tell me what have you in your heart. Speak now and I will answer. How may I, how may I help you say? Heir to the wind's twelve quarters, I take my endless Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Let's end with uh, the little baby Buddha's way is unsurpassable.